Okay, welcome to Daredevil Rewind. My name is Mose, and I am joined by a very special guest. You've heard him before. His name is James Thompson. Well, how could I say no to seven minutes in Hell's Kitchen? Absolutely. And this 789, again, is a triplicate of really some... uh, we get some a cast of characters we haven't seen in a while, and we didn't know we were going to see them. Yeah, if I was going to summarize this group, I would call it Surprise Ninjas. Very much so. Very much so. And it's funny because we starting out with, uh, I believe it's Semper Fidelis. Yeah. Um, a lot of reviews on the internet, which I read from time to time, say this is pitting the boring version of Daredevil against the action-packed part of Daredevil. And I say, and so does Matt Murdock, it's one and the same. They're both part of him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I didn't think this was a... I don't think any side of him is particularly boring. I think the, the courtroom side and things as well are are uh, half of the show. Well, it's really become that part of the show. And, you know, for those who, you know, like legal procedurals, um, I think this fills that niche for sure. Um, but I think it's a, it's a little bit better than, a, than the usual legalese because, you, you know, you have this intercut of action that's going on and this, this other... Uh, storyline that's interweaving simultaneous yeah uh i mean the i'm trying to it's been a while since i watched the episodes and i rewatched them all um or rewatched uh seven eight nine this morning and it's like yeah i'd forgotten there's so much stuff happens in this in this group well i think when we start out seven and it had been a while since i had seen them as well and so on rewatch the opening to Semper Fidelis is with our buddy Frank Castle getting ready for his um his courtroom date. Well, we had the the scene with the picking the jurors where they were all finishing each other's sentences. Oh, and it just, that's right. It reminded me so much of Austin Powers, which wasn't how they should have started off to me. Uh, but yeah, and then we get uh, Frank led into the courtroom. And placed in front of a very prominent American flag, and then we get the titles. Ah, it's just so superb, you know, and especially kind of in this political, politically charged atmosphere we're in anyway, and you have the the Punisher in front of the American flag. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then we get titles, and then we've got, um, we're, we're back to lawyering again, and we've got Foggy Nelson and Page all trying to come up with some kind of crazy strategy to uh, help in Frank's defense. And they they decide that they want to go with a PTSD defense. And I'm assuming that that's why we've... There's a sort of military theme throughout a lot of this episode. And I'm assuming that's why it's Semper Fidelis for the United States Marine Corps um, slogan. That's right. Uh, and yeah, so they, they, they've decided that they want a PTSD defense and they're going to get, uh, Karen is going to go off and talk to Frank and, and see what he will do. Uh, and then so we get the scene of her going through all the extensive security to get in to, to see Frank. And they, they take away her paper clips of her paper uh, in case it, they could be used as a weapon, presumably. Well, they've all seen Silence of the Lambs and they know what <laughs> can happen there. Yeah. Um so yeah, we've got Karen uh is talking talking to Frank and you know, they want to put somebody on the stand who knows him well, who can talk about him, and she brings up the PTSD defense and he thinks that this is uh insulting to true soldiers who are actually going through it. So he won't agree to that. And she gets really angry with him and he seems to approve of, of that anger. And then he he tells her about his CEO who will vouch for him. You know, I had in our last episode when Don and I were talking, um, I had a Twitter user uh, 
shoot me over some information. And because it, it, it didn't occur to me the fascination, the connection that Karen has with Frank. And it has everything to do with last season and her doing murder. Yeah. It, and, and that, you know, he's kind of like the, the full-blown, I will kill anyone. She's killed one person. He doesn't really feel any guilt about it, but she has that, you know, guilt that we would think that most people would have. And I guess this is her redemption in some way, like trying to um, say, you know, there are bad people and I did it. And this guy has done it for really the same reasons, just on a largiose scale. And yeah, I, I mean, this, go on. Go, it just, it, you know, it, it, I, it didn't occur to me that that relationship, why she was doing what she was doing, like her, her whole modus operandi. Well, this kind of comes up later on in the episode when she's having the conversation with Matt and she's very sort of pro-vigilante um, at that point. Uh, and that shocks him. But yeah, we'll come back to that. And, and maybe there was, a, you know, the reason I didn't get it is because they didn't do any kind of real flashbacking to her, you know, murder in season one. So that's why I kind of just lost that thread. Hmm. And 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 maybe it's better that they didn't put it in because it would have been a little bit, you know, like here, let me spoon feed you why Karen has this um this scenario going on. But that another story, but you know, I wouldn't have made maybe it's better they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um But as you say, it, you can actually forget all the different threads that are going on. Very much so. So who who comes in to uh to represent Frank. Well, I mean, we've got... Uh, I'm trying to think where we are in the episode. I mean, we, we cut away and we've got... Um, there's Matt who's rehearsing his opening speech and he's all ready to go. And then yep. Electra turns up uh, to derail things completely. And she's got info, as she puts it, on the pervy professor. That's right decode the ledger that they've got uh in the previous episode i think it was and so she drags him off saying you know oh you know kind of like just an hour or two uh, and then you could be back and of course it doesn't go that way um but they go off and they uh turn up in the very swish apartment of this professor who's not like any professor i've met in academia that can afford this kind of stuff and uh, he's got the uh, two companions with him, shall we say. And they are talking trash about him in Korean. And he turns around and uh, reveals that he can also speak Korean. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, Matt and Electra turn up and they, they start to menace him into breaking the encryption um, on this ledger. And they they keep sort of, hitting the wind matt keeps hitting the window where he's standing so it starts to shatter more and more and then uh eventually he decides it's in his interests to tell them and to decode the fact that there's a yakuza shipment that is coming just happens to be tonight at 11 o'clock um where he should be asleep prepared uh and you know preparing for the the trial in the morning but yes so there, there is got, one. There is one thread in this. Is isn't that guy somehow related to Roxon? Was he? Um, that's entirely possible. I don't remember the detail. See, it's weird because I know Roxon ha- is like a, you know, like a big kind of criminal conspiracy company that has dirty dealings going on, and they haven't really talked a lot about Roxxon in a lot of the Marvel Universe stuff. The only one that I remember distinctly is from Agent Carter, which is now cancelled, so we're not going to see any more of that. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Yes. Um, but yeah, we, um, we've we got Foggy and Karen who are working late. Matt is mysteriously missing again. And... Uh, you know, they're trying to work out how to come up with a strategy, like for talking to the 
chief medical examiner who they know has um, faked some of the um, paperwork. And uh, yeah, they're, they're going to come up. They say, you know, so long as Matt has got the opening statement of the year, we'll be just fine. And cut back to Matt, who's not uh, working on this at all. And he's now at a train yard with Electra um, looking for whatever is in this uh, mysterious uh, train car. That's right. And it ends up being what? Dirt. Yeah, like mystical ninja dirt. That's right. But it's never really explained what it's for. Um, And then just as they're they're exploring this, um, we have some Yakuza appear, and uh, I think it's three of them, and they fight them. And Matt says, oh, the best things in life leave you breathless. And then a hundred more Yakuza appear, and, and they fight them in a big warehouse full of rice. As you do. As you do. Right. And uh, they get banged up a bit. And I think we cut next to it's Matt sewing Electra's arm up. as and With them both in their underwear. Which is <laughs> how you do that kind of thing. You know, it's more sanitary if sure. you take all your clothes off. Yes. Or something. And they do the whole, he tells the story of all of his scars. And they go through them. And she likes moves his hand, you know, oh, feel this scar I've got on my thigh. Right. Amazingly, they don't sleep together. Um, Um, You know, this is reminiscent. I swear there's a movie, and I cannot place it, where it's it's a man and a woman looking at each other's scars. I almost want to say it's Lethal Weapon or something. I, I can't place it. It does sound like a trope, and it does sound familiar, but... um. Was it Mr. and Mrs. Smith had something similar? Ah, I think you're right. Something it's something like that. Yeah, no, I, I that's my that's what my gut says. Um But they fall asleep. He's sitting in a chair watching her falling asleep as well. And he wakes up in the morning and realizes that, oh yes, he is really late for court and he completely forgot to set an alarm or anything. Um so we cut back to court and we have Karen and Foggy. And Foggy's comparing it to his stress dreams from college. Um, And, yeah, they have to go it alone. And Reyes does the opening statements for the prosecution. I'm not sure why she is doing it rather than, you know, a lawyer. Um, You know, blah, blah, justice, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Foggy steps up and he does his opening statement. And Matt appears about two minutes from the end. Um. And everybody's very unhappy with Matt at this point. But Foggy did turn it up. He got, he stumbled and then he started to push forward. Yeah, which he's he's been pretty good this season in doing speeches, being it, you know, in court or in front of Hell's, whatever they are, not Hell's Angels. Dogs um, of War. Dogs of War, that's the one. And... Yeah, and I think he's starting to believe that he can actually do this kind of stuff. Um, and then we've got uh, Karen and Matt having dinner, uh, a date, and uh, Matt suggesting perhaps she might like to go to uh, college and get a law degree and things like that, and maybe then, you know, add her name to the company and things like that. And this sort of goes off into a tangent about. Uh, you know, the vigilante thing. And it's like, she asks him, uh, does Matt believe in what Daredevil's doing? And he kind of like, well, you know, I'm a lawyer. You shouldn't really ask these questions or a Catholic lawyer. Um, and she turns out to be quite pro-vigilante, but also going a bit towards the pro-punisher point of view. And that ends the date very quickly. Um, he doesn't even see her out to the door. She, he just sort of stands there and she walks out. Yeah, um, that was a little odd. Well, I think he's like very opposed to the Punisher. So the thought that the, the woman that he's dating is, is very much in favor of him. That uh, maybe that's why he reacts so badly. Or maybe he's just a big jerk, which he seems to be in a lot of these episodes. That's true. I mean, it's, it's a known fact that Matt has a hard time with women 
I mean, they love him, but he eventually kind of screws it up. Um, but the woman that he doesn't have a problem with uh, appears from the shadows who was sitting there listening the whole time. Well, um, when you're a ninja. Yes. Um, so she's got information about this, all these buildings that could be involved. And there's one that stands out, which is this Midland Circle building. So, you know, the, Matt is Matt's basically complaining that he's burning the candle at both ends. But they say, well, OK, we'll check it out tomorrow. Um, so Matt actually does get a night's sleep and they, they go to the courtroom in the morning. And that's where we meet, uh, our, our buddy, um, oh, who is it now? Frank's, is that, is that where we come off on Frank's, uh, CO? No, I don't think we get there yet. We've got the medical examiner first. Oh, that's um, right. Cause they clear the courtroom. Yeah. So they, they <clears throat> You know, Matt is just gearing up to sort of get a confession out of him. And before he can start, the guy immediately starts confessing that he altered the autopsy reports and did so much stuff. And if anybody finds out, they'll kill him. And it becomes very clear when he says that a mysterious woman has uh, coerced him to doing this, that Electra has taken matters into her own hands and is being, in quotes, helpful. Uh, but it completely taints all the con- all the testimony that he's given, and so they throw the whole lot out. Uh, so that leads to a confrontation with Matt and Foggy, where Matt r- reveals that he's been lying the whole time again, and that his new mysterious, well-paying client is actually Electra, and uh, Foggy is like, "What that girl from college?" And he's like. Well, she's kind of, you know, psychopathic assassin now. Yeah. Uh, so they have a, a massive shouty argument in the toilet in the courthouse where uh, Foggy is yelling loudly and audibly about Matt's vigilante ways, which seems extremely unwise to do. Uh, true. In, Very true. In the toilet of a courthouse. Right. And, and yeah, he says that Matt is the problem here and, you know, all this stuff just doesn't happen to him out of nothing. Uh, so he's basically off the case. Well, this is the first w- time really that Matt Daredevil's world has really interfered in a, in a very direct way with the Murdoch world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Matt is understandably pissed off and goes and confronts Electra. And it looks like they're going to fight and then kiss and then fight and then kiss. But then they decide that they're going to go and check out this mysterious building instead. So they go in, find some Yakuza, uh, take them out, and then they find a a massive plot hole. I mean, a massive hole. (laughs) I kind of like that right there. Because it is kind of, it's not a plot hole, but it is a uh, plot that has a hole in it. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything later in the series, but I was thinking, well, this is almost certainly going to come up again, and this is going to be really important, and it kind of doesn't. And so is this where the dirt's coming from? No. I, I, so my thought was that the dirt is some mystical dirt, which is re- required somehow for the stuff that they're doing, which we will come to in the next episode, or the one after that. Um, or the that they dug something out of this thing, which they is not is never really clear what it what it's for. I think it's just it's a really good visual, and they wanted to do it. And we have the really good bit where uh, they drop a flashlight in, and Electra says, "Tell me when it hits the bottom," and then the episode ends. And then episode eight's guilty as sin starts up. And then just the first thing is uh, Matt says, there, as the flashlight hits the bottom. So you've got this break of, you know, however long it is between you watch the episodes um, of how long it takes for the thing to fall down. It should be about seven seconds. Yeah. Well, it was 40 stories, they said. Um, and as they're uh, looking at this hole and trying to work out what it is, um, we have surprise ninjas and Shuriken slam into the wall behind him. And then Matt realizes that these ninjas have no heartbeat or something like that. So he can't quite get a read on them. 
So he's listening out for the swords, but he's not doing particular, particularly well in the fight. And Electra's about to kill a guy, and uh, he says, no, don't, don't kill him. And instead she gets stabbed. So um, Matt is then being dragged away by ninjas, and he's out for the count. And then we have another surprise. Stick jumps down and uh, does a whole come with me if you want to live kind of moment. That's right. And then we get the titles. Boy, you know, I got to say, you know, I, I know that there's some, some conjecture on Scott Glenn um, being Stick, but I think he's great. I think he plays the blind role very well, probably better than Charlie Cox in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a bit the in the next scene when they're in the car being uh, being chased by ninjas. And because in this part of the world, we drive on the other side of the road. To me, initially looking at it, I thought he was in the driver's seat driving <laughs> away. And I was like, but, but he's blind. He must be really good at this. But then I noticed that there was actually another, uh, another guy in the car who was doing the driving. Um, but yeah, we have this car chase and they're being chased by ninjas. Everywhere there's ninjas. Um, Electra is bleeding out uh, on the back seat. And instead of taking them to the hospital to see a friendly nurse, um, they take them back to Matt's for some homebrew surgery. Uh, and Stick has a, a list of things that he needs. Uh, was it pliers, hot tea, clean sheets, and uh, things ba- like was that? Was it baking soda, I believe? Yeah, yeah. And he explains it's that the blades were poisoned. Uh, so he goes through and he, he brews up whatever it is while Matt is brewing up some tea. And uh, goes in with the pliers and pulls bits out and so on. And uh, of course at the end uh, Matt hands him the tea and he just drinks it because the tea was for him. It wasn't part of any of this uh, uh, medical procedure and i thought that was a nice moment yeah we have to have a little little comic relief to kind of catch our breath a little bit and just realize that stick is calm cool and collected yeah and then he just casually mentions the fact that he knows electra and uh, then things seem to start to unravel yeah matt doesn't take to that real well at all no and you can see why in a bit but Yeah, we're back at the courthouse and Foggy and Karen are at the courthouse alone. And I think there's some line about, you know, Foggy says that he told Matt to stay at home, but he didn't think he would actually do it. Uh, And we have on the stand, we have Frank C.O., played by Clancy Brown, a.k.a. the Kurgan from Highlander, Um, which is important since we have Immortals coming up pretty soon. That's true. Uh, and but with all of these things, you think, hey, here's a here's a well known actor. I bet this part is uh, an important one that will come up later. Uh, it's you would like think, these. You would think it's like all these police procedural shows where there's like one really well known actor who always turns out to be the murderer. Anyway, oh, isn't that interesting how that happens? I wonder if that would happen now. But he tells the story of Frank's bravery and he tells this great little story of how uh, Frank was in a war zone and his the commanding officer at the time gave some really stupid order and uh, Frank single-handedly went in, killed 32 people at a landing zone and saves everyone, including the idiot officer who got them trapped in the first place. Yeah, and he got and, his arm blown off. Yeah, and Reyes challenges him on, you know, well, how do you know this story is true? And it turns out, of course, he was the idiot officer and has lost his arm. Um, and this blows their case apart pretty much. It's a, it's a big point up for uh, Team Murdoch Nelson. Well, Team Nelson. Uh, That's true. Murdoch is simply just a name on the wall at this point. Yeah. Um. And we cut back to Matt's apartment and Stick says, you know, there's the question, will she live? And he's, yeah, yeah, she'll live. And at that point, he, he just punches him because uh, he can. Uh, and Stick's response was, didn't we do this already? 
Which, again, is a callback from season one, which, you know, you can see that they have a very volatile relationship. Yeah. And Stick tells this big, long story the, about the, it began centuries ago, and we've got, you know, the secret of immortality, and we have the hand on one side, and looking for the black sky, which is the ultimate weapon. And then there's this kid, the chaste, who's going to stand, who stands against them, this child, and builds up an army. And of course, it turns out it's Stick. And is that really, you know, Matt asked, or Matt says, and you're, and you're the chaste. Well, I mean, he's, he says something like, that's why I didn't want to tell you it like that kind of thing. Um, so I think he was certainly alluding to be it. And, you know, it, it wasn't clear how old um, Stick is. So, yeah. I mean, I think that was the, that was what they were intending to say, that it was him. But maybe that was just Matt reading too much into it. Yeah, I didn't know if maybe, you know, it became like the chaste was a figurehead. You know, like... Oh, right. You know, yeah. immortality in the fact that, like, a la Raza Ghoul, it's really a different person, but it's under the same banner. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, but, yeah, he says, Stick says at the end of this, that Electra works for him. And that's and- not, not something that Matt was privy to in any way. He had an idea about it. But this was kind of like a wide open moment. Like this girl has been doing stuff when I haven't, you know, I haven't seen her for X amount of years and she's kind of an assassin. Yeah. And uh, we cut to the courtroom again and we've got the uh, Punisher's skull being projected up on the wall because it's the um, the X-ray of, of Frank's skull. And they say, you know, Frank is locked in this single moment and, uh, you know, Frank is saying, oh, it sounds like you're arguing PTSD again and he's not happy. But uh, Foggy does some good lawyering. Um, and then uh, we cut and we've got uh, Karen, I think, convinces Frank to take the stand uh, immediately after this. And Foggy wants Matt to question him. So, uh Karen goes off to get Matt. Um, Matt, meanwhile, is still in the apartment. And Uh uh, he finds out that, you know, he was basically a mission for Electra, that Stick had set it all up to get him back, to sort of get him out of the lawyering business. Um, And uh, she fell in love with the mission, as always happens. And... uh, Matt wants her to leave Stick and fight the war against um, the Hand with him on his terms with none of this killing nonsense. And then just at that point, um, we get surprise Karen. And, you know, he's like, it's not what it looks like. It's the episode of Three's Company we've been waiting for. And, you know, I think Stick was probably a bit pissed off at Matt, the fact that he let Karen in and let her come all the way into the bedroom. Um, rather than saying at the door, oh, he's not here or something like that. So, it chip, he seems to be kind of a stick seems to be like, I let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to go ahead and let the tea leaves fly and see what happens. Yeah. So Karen, you know, uh, sees Electra in the bed and makes a lot of assumptions and quite why there's an old man there as well. Who knows? But uh, she. They go off to court and, you know, Matt shows up on, in court on time for once. Karen is not talking to him. Uh, and uh, they get Frank, Frank Castle to the stand, who is booed by everyone. And then a cop mysteriously leans in and uh, Matt can overhear it. And he says, think about what you want, Frank. And it's clear that there's been somebody's got to him. Which is weird. You wouldn't think of all people that the Punisher is going to get um, led around by the nose. Yeah, we don't know exactly what he gets told at this point, but it's enough for him. Um, well, Matt starts in and he does a pretty good questioning and, you know, he's 
he makes an argument that we need heroes and that you know the punisher went too far but he his his heart was in the right place kind of thing right uh and it looks like he's actually got somewhere and then the punisher want or frank wants to make a statement and then he completely throws the game and he says yeah i'm the big bad punisher i would kill all these people again i'm guilty and he starts shouting and it all falls apart and Foggy thinks here that Matt provoked him, which I think was a little harsh. I don't think he did, and I thought he was doing a reasonable job. I, yep, I don't think so. It was it was a great plot device where, you know, Foggy is, is convinced, like, you pushed him too hard. But in all actuality, it was not that case. Yeah. And Karen just doesn't want to hear any more of his bullshit excuses. That's right. And, and yeah, uh... Electra is talking to Stick in in the apartment, and Stick says, "Well, what do you think he'll say when he finds out what you are?" Oh, foreshadowing something happening in further episodes, and uh, yeah, she's uh, Electra says she's made her choice, and Matt chooses her as well. And then you know because. We can't have five seconds going past without a ninja appearing. That's right. Ninjas. Um, we get, uh, Matt gets shot with a poisoned arrow and uh, fights him and is sort of weakening and, but gets him uh, subdued and he realizes that he's just a frightened kid. And then just as he's about to sort of try and get information out on, you know, who hired him? What's oh, happening here? Oh boy! Electra jumps in from her sick bed, um, slits his throat, and gets Matt's nice white shirt and Matt completely covered in blood. You know, and for she- blind for a blind guy, I got I got to say, it must be extremely hard to get rid of all this blood in his apartment. Well, you know, we see we have cleaners come in later on, so maybe he just has a really good service who who are, are used to dealing with this. But yeah, his she stands up and she's covered in swathes of blood, and she says, "Well, this is who I am. Do you still want me?" And at that point, Matt starts to pass out because uh, the arrow was poisoned, and uh, we now have Frank back in prison, and oh, he's l- poor Frank. L- He's led away um, to a special place through corridors of angry people. And at first, I thought they were just going to open the door and let him out. Oh, uh, just send the wolf in and that was it. Yeah. And uh, then another big surprise. Um, Huge you, surprise. Literally. Um, you see him from the back and then you think, could it be? And indeed, it's Wilson Fisk. And he says, I see you got my message. And I had no idea because I'd not heard anything, any rumors at all that he was going to be in it. And I, I know he was going to sit out the whole season. So that was a really big, big surprise to me. Well, and, um, and the way they were kind of leading that up when they were de-shackling um, Frank and, you yeah. know, and I watched it the second time. And for those of you who don't know this, I, I think majority of people do. Netflix now has an opportunity to where you can set the audio for visually impaired. And so you'll have a narrator that describes the scene as it's going through. And I highly recommend it because it's, it, it's really a little bit more interesting, especially if you just want to listen to an episode. It's a great way to do that. Um, but that scene where he's looking through you know, the, the, the bars... You know, and he knows something is beyond there, and the way in which the narrator describes it's really choice. It it just adds so much tension, and and then you know the big reveal of Kingpin. Yeah, and I thought that was really well done, and was was a a genuinely good twist. Uh, and it, I mean, it makes sense looking back at it because, of course, he's in prison as well, and they clearly only have one prison um but yeah so we get the fade to black on that and then we come back and the next episode episode nine the seven minutes in heaven uh, we start with this long extended flashback starting from the moment that wilson fisk turns up in prison 
Oh, wow. And I wasn't expecting that either, like that, those moments we saw Wilson Fisk in his cell, but we didn't, you know, we didn't see the, the lead up to that. Yeah, and we've got it from, you know, him taking off his belongings at the start when he goes in. And I think, does he take off the cufflinks? Were they a, pres- a present um, from, uh, is it Vanessa? I'm trying to remember. Was yes. that, I thought either, I think so, or for some reason in my, in my head, they were his father's, but I don't they, know. They certainly had significance from the way that he put them down. Well, his hand was almost magnetic. You know, he, 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 the way in which he put them in his hand and then to slowly, you know, turn his hand to let them drop. I mean, it just, yeah. it, it's like they didn't want to leave. And then we've got the shot of him in his prison cell, staring at the white wall of his prison, like yes. he was staring at the paintings from the previous season. Um, and his uh, lawyer guy basically tells him, keep your head down. And, you know, being Wilson Fisk, he doesn't exactly keep his head down. One uh, fact that comes to him, you know, always, you know, he can't be him because everybody knows who he is. Yeah, so the Dutton, the the de facto head of the prison, uh, turns up at his cell, uh, the prison boss, uh, well, unofficial prison boss, and, you know, basically gives him a warning, tells him to keep out of it, and he says, yeah, I'm just going to keep my head down. Uh, but he starts making contact slowly, and he, you know, he, he makes one friend at lunch, and then... Uh, starts to he uses the lawyer to finance uh some people so that uh he will have people on his side in the prison and yeah you see him slowly building up his empire he switches from his white outfit to his orange outfit and then uh we get the cut to present day and we get the repeated line of the I see you got my message. And then we get the titles, and I'd forgotten that we hadn't had titles because we're about 10 minutes into the episode. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a different um, rhythm pattern. Yeah. And, yeah, we now we, we cut away from that, and we've got Matt, who's sort of becoming conscious in his apartment, and there's mysterious cleaners uh, cleaning all the sign of the blood and repairing things and putting his furniture back. Um, I'd love to know where the these services exist that you can just hire to to do this. Well, I um, think probably after the Avengers, um, there was a new um, new market for disruption in uh, cleaning services. Yeah, no, this is true. Um, if you've have had a Hulk come through your apartment, you just need somebody to fix it all up. Or you're a potential vigilante superhero. You know, these things can be done on the sly. Very similar to <laughs> Melvin's costuming. Indeed. Um, but the Matt says to Electra, he's come to the realization that she just actually enjoys killing. And she's like, yeah, kind of do. Since I was 12, really. I just killed a guy to see if I could do it. And he's like, mm, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Goodbye. Uh, and she goes off. But then we've got Frank and Fisk talking it through, which I think was a really good scene. Oh, and boy, I, those two actors together. I mean, Barenthal has just really solidified me like as a fan of his now. Like, I was big on him on The Walking Dead because he was so despicable, but yet likable. Mm. And again, same thing. It's like, yeah, he's the Punisher. He's he's not a nice guy, but there's something about him that's just a real challenge to like him, but you do. Yeah. And Fisk offers him closure, what he thinks he wants, and he, he tells him about Dutton, and he says that, you know, he was partially responsible for what happened to his family. But, you know, Frank says, you know, I don't help shitback has-been mob bosses. Uh, but in the end, he does. And uh, then, you know, we have a breakup between uh, Matt and Foggy, uh, who says, you're better off without me. And everyone's better off without me. So sad. And, that, and uh, yeah. But Murdoch what, what, and Nelson what, what, is done. And what is, what is, is, do we know yet what 
the kingpin is offering yeah i i think he said it i think he talked about you know he'd give frank the seven minutes to uh off dutton that's right and it's because dutton knows something about his oh that's right he knows about his family's death and that's when frank's like don't even do it don't go there don't talk about him but Fisk is fairly, you know, honest and open with him and said, yeah, of course, I'm going to benefit from this. But, you know, you're going to benefit from it, too. Um, and, yeah, he's, uh, Frank says, you know, I'll do this and that's it. Uh, and then we're done. <coughs> and we've got, uh, yeah, this Karen shows Foggy the photos of the missing body. Um and she's she's like really hooked into finding out what's going on, and he's like, "Let it go, you know, Murdoch and Nelson is finished. You need to think about a life beyond this office and that starts happening because of her uh dealings with the newspaper, yeah, and she goes back to the New York Bulletin and <clears throat> she's got the evidence, and she wants the paper to investigate all this and uh well, she basically ends up getting a job there. But uh, we've got Matt, who's menacing the the accountant guy for the Yakuza. And he says, well, you know, I'm actually a hostage. They're holding my son uh, in this mysterious place called The Farm, I think. Yes, it was. And this is the first time we're starting to hear about, like, we know something's going on, why the Yakuza's there. We don't really know why. And now we're getting a little bit more information. Yeah. And uh, Karen uh, and uh, the other reporter guy goes to see the Emmy in his apartment. And it turns out that uh, John Doe was, in fact, an undercover cop. And there's there's definitely more things going on. But... We have Frank, who's now going to cell block A. He can be guaranteed only seven minutes. And uh, he goes to confront Dutton, uh, taking out one of his guys along the way. And Dutton tells Frank that the fairground drug deal was in fact a sting. And there was somebody called the blacksmith who was behind it all. And, you know, it's like, we don't know who the blacksmith is, but this is, you know, another level to this mystery. Uh, and he then stabs Dutton. Uh, As you do. But they don't let him out. He comes to the end and in fact, they've closed the corridor oh. and th- then hit the button and all the other cells open. And clearly having murdered their boss, the other people are not particularly happy about this. One well, Fisk is right there on the second level looking down and he, yeah, double, he, he does a double back. Yeah, he says, well, I couldn't have done it without you, Frank. And that's it. And Frank... Again, there's somebody wearing all white. Um, oh, gosh. And I, I wondered if I don't know enough about the prison system as to know whether this, this you wear white when you first go in is a real thing. But that seemed to me that they did it partially for this next scene. And yeah, Frank takes out an entire cell block of people in a variety of bloody axe-wielding, eye-gouging ways. Oh, boy. It's... Uh, and again, listen to this with the visual-impaired audio on. It's incredible. You get... Uh, you, like, you're seeing what's happening, but you're also getting... Uh, like, Frank takes a shiv and stabs him in the groin, abdomen, and throat. I mean, it is... And then <laughs> the eye-gouging is just... Inc- I mean... Yeah. What, le- on last episode, we talked about, like, we hadn't seen anything as, as visceral as the gunshot to the face. Yeah. And this one, I think, trumps it slightly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also the fact that um, he ends up covered completely in blood. And it's not just on the outfit. It's like all over his face and hands and everything. <laughs> and then we get there's the, the scene where the guards are at the end. Uh, and they come in to get him and they're dragging him off and you see him there's this really nice shot of him being dragged over a puddle and there's a single blood drop falls in the puddle um, and ripples out and stuff but i don't know if you saw it there's a punisher skull in blood on his chest which you see for like a fraction of a second oh my Um, gosh i'm gonna have uh, to go back and look 
Yeah, look at that scene because like there's a, there's a big blood stain down one side, but if you look at it, you can make out very distinctly the Punisher skull as a kind of outline or a slightly darker bit of blood on it. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm just like seeing things in the clouds. I'm hundred percent sure that that was a deliberate, a deliberate thing. Um, the raw shock test for James Thompson. Yeah, I see. I see skulls everywhere apparently, <laughs> and blood. Um, I just couldn't. I, it's one of those things. Like it's like guys, like you know who the Punisher is. Uh, put him in a cage with a bunch of people. It, it's just going to be. It's going to end badly. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got Matt who's talking to the guy at the farm uh, the, who seems to run this this particular branch or whatever and Matt can hear blood somewhere rushing around and he's not sure what this is um, and then we cut back to Karen again who's uh, basically gets a job offer and she's given uh, Ben Ulrich's old office uh, and he had a file on Karen, which was sitting out on his desk. Uh, I'm assuming that was because she said something like, did he read it or something? Or And he said, yeah, I read it too. We don't care. And I'm assuming it was about this, the stuff that had happened before with Karen. Um, but we then have Fisk paying Frank a visit. Oh, um, boy. Another, and, you know, given that he's just tried to kill him, he's understandably a bit pissed right uh and he says well well, plans change um and he's seen that frank has a particular talent for violence he assumed the tide lifts all ships yeah he assumed that it was just made up by the press to a certain extent but now he's seen it he 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 thinks he wants to get in on this Um, (laughs) it was like it was all hyperbole yeah but uh he fisk gets what's known uh in these parts as a glasgow kiss um, he gets, <laughs> yeah, he gets a headbutt, awesome. uh, and then they have a bit of a fight, and he's chained up. And Wilson Fisk eventually beats him down, and then orders him to be released. Uh, and he he says, you know, I want you out uh, in the city because I want you to keep the city down so that no criminal gangs can rise up so that when I get out, the city will be weak and ripe for the taking. And, you know, Frank seems to go along with this, although he says the next time we meet, only one of us is going to walk away. Yeah, and and uh, Fisk, t- again, deals in his, and says it out loud, I deal in the long game. I don't, I'm not going to wage a war. I'm going to win the war. Yeah. And uh, we've got Matt who's in the farm and he finds this in the basement or whatever. They have this big weird urn sarcophagus thing and lots of people in cages hooked up with tubes draining their blood or something. And then, of course, surprise ninja uh, because we haven't had one for about 10 minutes. That's right. Ninja time. And cut back and Dutton is actually alive, at least for a few more hours. And he's in the prison hospital and Fisk is sitting by his bedside. I don't know if he's sitting there basically to watch him die, but uh, he's sitting there and we see Frank walking out as a fairly conspicuous bruised faced guard uh, who walks out the front of the prison and takes off his helmet and walks off into the night. And I imagine he might use that parts of that uniform that he got for something else later. You think uh, so? Might do. Might. Uh, okay. And Matt is fighting a ninja and he's not doing particularly well with the ninja. And then the ninja pulls out very familiar knives on chain things. And it's Nobu from uh, the last season. And he goes, now, how is de- that possible? And he says, you're dead. And Nobu, who's meanwhile pushing the urn into an elevator uh, to escape with it, says, there is no such thing. Black screen credits. Boy, the Ninja Trilogy is absolutely right. And one thing that I will say is I'm a little bit, I I enjoy these two separate storylines that are going on. But I'm less interested in the ninja stuff at times. Well, 
it was kind of it was a i wasn't expecting it it was this big left turn and i was like <clears throat> and i think with the 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 hole in the ground and the sort of the mysticism and all this coming in it's like the season went in a direction that i really wasn't expecting i was expecting most of this to be you know the punisher versus daredevil and electra along for the ride but you know the the punisher's kind of going off into like the b plot and uh yeah there's all this ninja stuff and you know i like ninjas but sure well who doesn't i mean especially if you grew up in the 80s i mean that was it was it was a thing to be yeah um but yeah as you say slightly less interested in that side of things um but you know they're they're tying it all together at least that all the electra and all that plot Boy, Don Melton is going to be super upset at this one. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have gone off for brunch and left That's us right. to it. That's right. Um, he was so excited to talk about Stick. And then to add in Kingpin, we knew it was coming, and we didn't say anything about it. Well, he, he told me earlier he promised he's going to be back for the next episode. Ah, very nice. Well, I got to say... Again, this story keeps getting richer and richer, and it the whole series in itself it just it's like on a whole nother level. And I don't like to say that like as like just fandom and like because I really love Daredevil, you know, because I was fully expecting maybe a sophomore slump. But good gosh, the story just gets more and more dense. Yeah, I mean, I think bringing uh, we've got you know Stick comes back, we've got Fist comes back. Um, we get, you know, lots of stuff between Electra and Matt, who have got far more chemistry than uh, Karen and Matt. Uh, I think Karen's got more chemistry th- with uh, Frank than she does with Matt, frankly. Which you wouldn't expect, but there yeah. it is. Um, and yeah, no, this, this, I think it was, this was the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to watch the entire next four episodes in one sitting because I want to find out exactly what is happening here. Well, I, I, I hesitate to even bring it up and we're not, we're not going to, but I can't wait to see what happens next because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but good gosh. Indeed. Well, James, it has been always a pleasure to have your insight and brain behind these things. Well, we're, we're going to have to stop corrupting each other, Mose. Well, I don't think we can do that. I think it's already <laughs> been done. Well, I'll hopefully talk to you next time. That's right. 